I'm so sorry, ma'am. I know you need this medicine, but it looks like it's not covered by your insurance. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to deny that one. Wait, who are you? I'm your insurance company's pharmacy benefit manager. I get paid based on the price of a medicine, and I don't make as much money off this one. No one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Welcome to the AI Learner Lounge. I'm your host, Cambria, and this is a podcast where AI meets learning and development. From exploring how AI facilitates individual learning to understanding its integration into broader organizational strategies, we tackle it all. Every episode brings you fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and actionable advice for those looking to weave AI into the fabric of modern learning experiences. Join me as we navigate the intersection of technology and human potential right here on the AI Learner Lounge. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the AI Learner Lounge. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on AI literacy and what it means to have a future-ready workforce when it comes to AI. So to kick us off, I want to look back at a study that OpenAI released back in March. It's been a few months now, but in GPTs, our GPTs, an early look at the labor market impact potential of large language models, there's some interesting findings. And a lot of that correlates well with some of the other research I've come across, too, on AI and the workforce and other things that have been released since then. So I think the most interesting part of the study is that 80% of workers might see at least 10% of their tasks impacted, and 19% are going to see at least 50%. Now, that's a lot. And when it comes to reskilling, upskilling, shifting job roles, that's going to have a huge impact. The skills that they found were most exposed to large language models like ChatGPT was writing, so that doesn't mean the need for writing is going to disappear, but the employee's role might shift. So maybe instead of creating the first drafts, we might be editing, revising, validating content that ChatGPT creates or another tool. And the second most exposed was programming, writing codes. We've all seen how ChatGPT can create websites, especially now with Code Interpreter. And even several months ago, using GPT, 3.5 before 4 was released, I used it to create a Chrome extension, which is well outside of my wheelhouse. So we can see how that's going to have an impact there for sure. Some of the least skills exposed were science and critical thinking. Now, critical thinking, when it comes to skills, that's really broad, right? So when we're looking at an AI-driven future with critical thinking, I think there's four important areas we can focus on and course, there's going to be a lot more too very specific to the job roles you're looking at. But the first is of information evaluation. We know that generative AI is prone to hallucinate. So we need to be able to assess the credibility and reliability of the information we're getting, not just trusting the sources we get without looking at them ourselves to verify that it's accurate. And understanding the models well enough to know which are more prone to misinformation and hallucinations and how we can develop prompts to mitigate for that and make sure that we're minimizing that as much as possible, especially if it's an AI that learners are going to be interacting directly with. 
making sure that we have it set up in a way where they're getting accurate information because it's not something we should put on our learners to have to sort through whether the content's correct or not. The second way I see critical thinking in this AI-driven future is with reflective thinking. So being able to self-assess, question your beliefs and what the AI is giving you, how that aligns from it, being able to learn from your experiences, both with AI and then just as an L&D professional, just like you do today, having personal relationships, professional growth, being mindful of your interactions and communications. And then we can look at recognizing biases. So there's a lot of potential for biases in AI-generated content. I think that's something we hear a lot about, ethics and bias, and being able to recognize when that's happening or when it might, making sure that we're having fair, balanced viewpoints to be able to identify that in the content that comes out. And then the fourth is with creativity and problem solving. So thinking creatively, being able to combine different ideas, look to areas outside of our own field, and looking at innovative solutions to complex problems. I think those will become increasingly valuable as AI tools handle more of those routine tasks. I'm so sorry, ma'am. I know you need this medicine, but it looks like it's not covered by your insurance. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to deny that one. Wait, who are you? I'm your insurance company's pharmacy benefit manager. I get paid based on the price of a medicine, and I don't make as much money off this one. No one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Now, beyond really broad skills like critical thinking, when we get into actual AI literacy, what that means is really going to be different for different roles. Not everybody needs to know the same information or have the same understanding, but there is some level of awareness that needs to happen, right? And that can start with just a basic understanding of what generative AI is and how it's being used specifically in your organization, sharing your strategies and use cases and what's to come for the tools that employees might be interacting with, and more importantly, your company's specific policies on it. So do you have an outright ban on generative AI tools like ChatGPT? How does your data fit into that? What type of information shouldn't be used in it? what type of information is okay to use, any disclaimers that you require employees to give if they're using generative AI to create content or especially for decision-making and what that looks like. That awareness level is really the foundational for it all within an organizational context. 
And then going beyond that, that's when you can start looking at specific roles and how those are changing, what the job tasks are going to look like and the workflows, how those are going to be adapted. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, they had a really great study that they put out. It's came before the whole chat GPT explosion, but it looked at how AI is transforming um, the workplace and different job requirements and the skills that go along with that. So they identified three key areas where AI was transforming job skill requirements. And that was based on nearly a hundred case studies that they had created. So the first is with brand new skills. So the need for new skills that are that's going to emerge when workflows change and new tools are integrated. So that could be analytical, it could be specialized AI, it could just be a new tool you're bringing in, it might be integration skills. One of the example case studies they had was a UK finance firm and the need for new skills emerged after implementing an automation system to enhance customer service. So workers now, once that was implemented, they focused on collaboration, data interpretation, and problem solving instead of some of the more manual tasks that they were doing before. The second way that it impacts the job skill requirements is with the impact on existing skills. So how the need for those skills is going to change and maybe there's a greater reliance on their existing skills. Like when we automate tasks, it might lead to more complex work requiring more specialized skills and knowledge. And the example case study, one of them that they had for that was a Japanese bank case study. And that highlighted the importance of maintaining traditional skills when introducing AI for mortgage screening processes. So to ensure that the accuracy was there and mitigate risks, they really had a need for screening officers to be able to independently ex assess AI recommendations. And to do that, they needed those existing skills even more so because they had to think a little bit more critically about how the AI was applying it, why it may have came out with the answer that it did or the recommendation that it did. And without that, that's where we might see things like the recent radiology study that showed that on its own, AI recommendations were great. And human recommendations were pretty good. But when humans were augmenting with AI, they weren't collaborating necessarily in a way that led to good results. So we can imagine why maybe they didn't trust the AI results or recommendations. They relied more on their own knowledge. But being able to reflect on what your experience and your knowledge is telling you compared to the AI is going to be very important when it comes to augmenting work and making sure that we're effectively using the AI recommendations, not just taking it at face value, but also not ignoring it completely. And the third way they found that job skill requirements were going to change is, of course, by making skills redundant. So that's when we have full automation. And in these cases, the jobs require basic skills. So the more complex ones are no longer required. And for that, the example case study that they shared in the paper was with a U.S. financial services company, and they implemented AI technology to create country-level revenue forecasts. And what that did, it led to reduced demand for data analysis skills, so being able to identify patterns. The AI could do that. They could process vast amount of data and detect patterns a lot more efficient than 
the analyst kids. So in that case, the roles had to change. This meant that newer, less experienced employees could now do that role and the same requirements and qualifications weren't necessarily needed. And if we look back to that study from OpenAI, GPTs, RGPTs, one of the findings from that was that the jobs with specialized skills, usually ones held by individuals with higher education degrees, specialized experience, those are the ones most exposed to large language model impact. And so that means they're also more at risk of losing that higher level job or on the flip side, that's where the other ones that the OECD um, had identified with brand new skills and existing skills, those could come into play too. So if we think just broadly in terms about how's AI going to impact job skill requirements, we can't really say we know because we don't until we start looking at specifics. And that means getting into the specific roles in our organization and the workflows and how those are going to change, what use cases are going to be prioritized at an enterprise level and even within the team level, and how will that shape what the roles are. So that's kind of step one is prioritizing those potential use cases and then looking at the workflow to see what the impact is. So when you do that and you map that out, you can then compare the roles that are involved, the tasks they're performing, resources and systems they're using, and then decision points that are in that process. So if we think about just us as instructional designers, if we have a new AI-enhanced workflow for uh, compliance course development, and we start to look at how that might change with AI, so maybe we start out with the prompt and the needs assessment, giving that information to the AI. And then from there, ChatGPT can create slide content or video scripts from us. And then it becomes a human in the loop decision if we're going to accept that, how we're going to validate it, and then sending it back for revisions to the AI if it needs to, kind of as we would collaborate with a coworker or an intern or um, freelancer. There's a lot of different metaphors for how we collaborate with tools. And then we get into other tools, maybe like if we're looking at AI avatars, DID or Klaasian or Synthesia are three of the common ones and what that part of the process looks like and what skills are required to be able to do that compared to working in other tools for recording videos or being able to integrate that into a, a system like Storyline and just that overall workflow, how that's changing. And then that's going to give us a hint at the potential knowledge and skill gaps that we're going to have. And one of the books that I really like conducting performance-based instructional analysis by Guy Wallace, it shares strategies for analyzing and enabling skills and knowledge. So there's 17 different categories. It's a lot. That could be technology, um, policies. There's a lot of different ones in there. And you don't have all 17 for every workflow. But it gives you a starting point to think about what areas of skill development you might need to be looking at or the depth of knowledge, too, that's required because it doesn't always require skill. It could just be an awareness that's needed. So once you have that initial understanding, then you can start to get into designing learning solutions that are going to be tailored 
for what it is that your actual workforce needs to prepare for AI. And that's going to look different for everybody to close some of those gaps. It could be a training program or workshop. It might be performance support or job aids. It could be mentorship opportunities. They're just a few of the many different approaches you can use, but it's really going to be dependent on what those previous steps you took with use case identification, assessing the workflow impact, and identifying knowledge and skill gaps, what that revealed. It's a position that's going to be interacting directly with AI, maybe they're in chat GPT, not necessarily using templates, but more flexibility about how they're using it and they're going to be designing their own prompts. That requires a little bit more skill than it does for an employee who's going to be using the same tool just with some new AI features. And they might just need resources on how to use that and being able to practice using it. And then looking beyond AI, we look at the overall workflow and what changes are going on that might need support as well. And that's how we can start looking at building a future ready workforce that's able to effectively collaborate with AI, use it to perform their job duties and get the results that we're looking for. Thank you for joining me for the second episode of the AI Learner Lounge, the podcast for AI and learning and development. I'm your host, Cambria, and today we work through what it looks like to have a future-ready workforce when it comes to AI. I hope you'll join me for our next episode.